Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode seven. Uh, really excited today. I've got um, a guest on. It's Tom Jankowski from TJ Strength and uh, Rugby Muscle. So uh, welcome, Tom. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, making time to do this. Uh, there's a large time difference um, from where we both are. So thanks for taking the time out in the day. Um, I'm just going to introduce you to the audience so they all know who you are. Now, cool. I've, uh, I, from what, uh, what I've sort of pieced together is you, you were involved with uh, rugby muscle, rugby-muscle.com for, for a good long while. You also still do the Rugby Muscle podcast, uh, and that's uh, it's available on YouTube, going well. Uh, also, you're a part of rugbydump.com, and you provide coaching for, for athletes, for rugby players. Uh, I think you've done both for well over 10 years now, and uh, sort of recently you've branched out into TJ Strength, which is sort of where I heard of you. Um, and that's sort of more like the online coaching gen pop type of thing that uh, that uh, we both do. Uh, you've got a British weightlifting, uh, you've done a British weightlifting course, you've got a CrossFit qualification, you've competed in Olympic lifting, uh, and so you're a coach of rugby, Olympic lifting, and, and gen pop. Uh, and I, I really like some of the material you put out on TJ Strength. You had a... Uh, you had an article which is three things more important than a training program. I really like that one because it's, yeah. it's kind of very similar to the way I group things. You, you set specific goals, specific time frames that you can commit to within your schedule uh, and then execute those. And that's kind of very much how I like operate. So that article really, really stood out. So that was awesome. Uh, have, I, have I missed anything off? Uh, no, I think you've, if in fact, if anything, you've, you've, you've talked too much. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to let everyone down now. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Right. So we'll, uh, we'll get into the questions. I, I sent through uh, a few sort of requests uh, on Instagram for, for various questions. I got a couple of replies back and these are some that I picked out as well. So what I wanted to focus on today was your, your coaching as, as a sports coach with rugby and, and, and athletes. So to begin with, just talking about team sports. <clears throat> how do you manage sports specific training for teams? So what I mean by that is like, how does the training vary over the year? Uh, and how do you kind of tie that together with the season? Sure. Um, so for the most part, I, I, I have a few teams that I consult with hmm. in terms of like that, that actually all go to the gym together. But for the most part, what I deal with is the individual athletes as part of the teams. Hmm. And a lot of the time, because they're dealing with me, they're either semi-professional or they have no sort of other you know, team strength and conditioning uh, program that they have to stick to. So they, they, they basically come to me and I am still essentially their online coach, you know, same way as I would uh, treat anyone else. And really how it varies over the year is it's a case of really like identifying most, you know, the most obvious priorities that we need to work on. And that varies hugely from athlete to athlete and person to person because, um, I have a lot of guys that come in for my, and actually I made a post about this on Instagram today. In fact, where I have a lot of guys that come in and, you know, they're already squatting you know, 140 kilos plus. They're already like, really good in the gym. And they're like, right, I need to be the best rugby player I need to, I can be. I need to be stronger. What do I need to do? And I'm like, no, no, you don't need to be stronger at all. We're going to work on your aerobic uh, ability because you're just, by the end of each game, you completely tie yourself out or whatever it is. And we work on those sorts of things. And it really, like, I wish there was, like, a, an easy template that I would say I'd use. But for the most part, um, it's really about identity. Just as you would do any bodybuilder. You know, if someone's got um, lagging arms, you, you do a lot more uh, training directly towards that. And it's the same thing with um, your sports, except it, rather than looking at different body parts, now we're looking at, right, muscle size, muscle strength, power, speed, uh, aerobic and anaerobic sort of fitness as well. Awesome. So I, I guess I kind of liken that too. If I, if I take on a client, um, I'll look at their entire program and see what's lacking. So it may not be the gym training that they're doing. It may be something like sleep um, or nutrition, something along those lines. So you'll kind of look for gaps and trying to fill those in. Absolutely. Yeah. We really, you really want to look at where someone is weakest because that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. And for the most part, like, especially for, for, for guys that are already in the gym, you know, if they've heard of me, they're probably already in the gym and they're trying to figure out exactly what they need to do to sort of make them, to make them a better player. Yeah. But they've already done the bench press. They've already done the squats. They've done the basic stuff. They've done the bodybuilding styles of, of training or the strength uh, style of training, but they haven't looked at what do I actually need to do to be the best on the pitch that I can be. 
I, I really think that sets apart a good coach from a great coach is, is that ability. And I'm seeing a lot more of that on Instagram now when I talk to people because it, it seems to be the case of where we're going beyond just the basic sets and reps. We're actually looking at lifestyle. Um, on, onto that as part of a sort of segue on the same question, how much control do you have over their nutrition? Um, so with the teams I consult with, it's all about big rocks, you know? So I, I try and get people to just have an idea of, um, bigger picture of what their diet should look like. And that literally is, um, calories and protein. Um, mm. so as, as long as they're eating enough calories that they're feeling recovered, that their weight stays stable, that their gym numbers are going up, that they're fit, you know, that they're feeling good each week, then they're on a good path. If they're feeling under recovered and they're losing weight and they don't want to be, then you want to add in some more calories. If they're, if they're the opposite, if they're gaining weight and they're trying to lose weight or if they're trying to get bitter and their body fat state you know, is, is either increasing or staying the same, same thing. We would just yeah. try and reduce the calories or just reduce the overall intake. And it's not, you know, the more dedicated the person is, the, um, the more I'll, I'll try to push them towards, you know, things like MyFitnessPal, tracking every day. Mm. Then we're looking at different macro ranges and whatnot, um, you know, intra-workout nutrition or peri-workout nutrition. That becomes important. But it really does depend on their, their dedication levels because if they really don't care enough to track, then me making them trying to track is only going to just burn them out and then they're going to end up eating a whole family pack of Doritos instead and, and just give up. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. I think it's sort of like if I take on a new client who's brand new to the gym, and I, I have done that a few times, you're, you're starting off with a lot of the big basics. And then as they progress in enthusiasm and, and they progress in their physique, you can sort of add things in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. I mean, there's, I mean it's, there's no point looking for, and it's it, none of this is the stuff that sells. Unfortunately, you know, <laughs> the stuff that sells is super fruits or superfoods and all of this bollocks. But at the end of the, can I say, can I say bollocks? Yeah, please, please do. Bollocks, uh, bollocks, <laughs> rant, everything you want. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. Um, but yeah, like, mo like all of that stuff, all of that does is pull pull your attention away from what you should be focusing on, and that's your overall. Um, daily or even weekly intake and essentially hitting enough protein. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, just on going back to the, the, the sports specific training, how does the training vary over the years? So if we sort of look at, I imagine there's, there's an on season and off season. Um, how, how is that going to vary across the year? Cause that's something I'm really interested in. How say you've got an athlete, a rugby athlete or a, a team in this case who are really heavy into the off into the in season, they're almost reaching to the, uh, the end of the the the, the schedule of games uh, they're tired they're fatigued how are you going to vary that yeah so great question um it's because it's a lot it's a thing that people really if they're not if they're not on a program they don't even think about it but uh, uh if you're in season your sole focus uh, and again this depends on dedication levels because i also deal with some amateurs that you know they, they still want to get better at rugby, but actually they want to get jacked. And that's, that's more important. And again, that's a, that's a really important part of recognizing what you're trying to train for and your priorities. But if, you're, if we're looking at actually trying to improve, then each week, the most important part of an in-season program is that you are firing 100% come game day because uh, well, that's your competition. That's where you want to perform your best and that's where you have the most chance of not only improving, but that's that's what matters. That's what you're there for. There's no point in us doing a perfect gym program that has you uh, absolutely knackered by the time you get to a game and you and you play crap because then that's only going to, that's not that's not why you're in the gym. Um, so that's number one. And that what that means is we can't do a lot of stuff that um, can, can really push your fatigue level, like low down. Mm -hmm. Um, or high up even, um, and you can't do, you know, overall, you can't do new stuff as well, because again, that's going to actually really sign increase fatigue and it's just going to, you know, stress you out, that sort of thing. My main focus for in season is having you fresh for that Saturday in off season. That's where we can have some, some fun. That's where you can walk around with really tight hips like John Wayne. You can, you can do all sorts of, uh, high rep stuff. You can do sort um, any sorts of different uh, and, and again, it, it's not, that's not, again, it's specific, yeah, it's specific for each person in that some people might need to work speed off season. Some people might need to try and gain some muscle size in season, mm. but we don't have that. Uh, we don't have that challenge of having 15 guys that are hundred kilos plus running into you every Saturday that you've also need to recover from. Yeah. So 
it's it's in season it's all about that game day and making sure you're fresh for it and then recovering so that you can then get better in the gym you know you've only you then probably only got like a three-day window so say in the in season we've got a game on saturday you're probably going to send sun sunday and monday at least recovering so then you've only really got tuesday wednesday thursday to try and make as much improvements as you can before yeah. Friday, you're trying to recover again for that Saturday. So you've, real got, you've really got a short window. So you have to take advantage of, or you have to really prioritize and, and identify exactly what you want to work on, on during those times. Whereas in the off season, you know, you can do two a days. Hell, you can do three a days if you really need to. And, you know, you can, you can push yourself and you can really overreach, feel, you know, for, increase that fatigue. But then knowing that you've got months and months and months to recover before you really need to be performing hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that's great. I think it's a really good message in terms of being specific about what you want to achieve and going, going for that, uh, depending and that's going to change around the year, of course, but I love the idea of being specific in your goals and, and going directly towards those. So rather than trying to do say off season training and in season and stuff like that, I think you had an article about, about specificity, um, on your site as well. I can't recall the name right now, but I, but I enjoyed that. Um, just on that note, this is not a question I've got written down, but just as an extra, um, what do you encourage your athletes to do for recovery? Um, oh, great question. Because this is a really important uh, point to make is in off season, I really don't. I don't like, we don't want to be doing ice baths. We don't want to be doing any of that stuff because it's been shown like pretty comprehensively now in the science that that stuff, um, whilst it obviously alleviates the fatigue, it alleviates that fatigue at the expense of the adaptation that you're trying to make. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, um, you know, if you, if you're taking ice baths, if you're doing some of these recovery methods that, um, are helping you get back in the gym, but are actually stopping you from getting bigger or getting stronger, then like, what's the point? Right. Yeah. Whereas in season again, what's our priority? It's Saturday or it's game day. So, if you're if you're make, making sure then you're recovered um or if you're if, then you want to make sure that you are recovered for that game and that involves yeah, like to be honest i make sure that all of my guys get enough sleep they eat enough food those basic things need to be covered every time and that they're kind of relaxed um other than that um it's really up to them if they like taking ice baths yeah, go ahead and do that. And that may help you feel good. But if, you, if, if an ice bath is torture, you know, the 30 minutes of stress leading up to it um, is actually probably going to offset that, you know, the time it takes out of your day to do all of that sort of stuff can end up actually offsetting it. What we've got to realize is stress is stress and fatigue is just another type of stress. And if you've had a really, you know, um, stressful week at work, you know, your missus is mad at you you're not going to then go home and then just leave to go take an ice bath or go to a recovery center. Cause you just don't have the time. What's better is that you maybe you don't even go to the gym. Maybe that week you actually just only hit the gym once and you spend that whole time just recovering, sleeping and getting ready to perform on that Saturday. But um, I know that's kind of a, not a great answer, but like we recover so much in the mind um, because the mind is what helps us de-stress. So yep. if whatever makes you feel good, go ahead and do that. No, no, I think that's a really good answer. I, I really do. It, it reminds me of an old anecdote that from Bill Starr, uh, and he used to coach American um, football players, a similar sort of sport. And he said, uh, you know, on the topic of um, sex before games, <laughs> he said it wasn't so much the sex that was, you know, tiring these guys out. It was the fact that it was the activities leading up to that, like they were going out to the bars all night to nightclubs <laughs> and stuff like that, and and that really was what did it. So. Yeah, I, I I like the I like the general idea of just you know doing what you fits into your routine. Yeah, like those the people that abstain, like I, I honestly don't get the purpose because then <laughs> I feel like then you, all you've done is built up and and for me like any team sport really again it's not just about being as aggressive like maybe maybe you're just a bit angrier or, or a bit more irritable but how's that going to help you on the rugby pitch? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's it, team sports are played just as much in the brain as they are by the body. Yeah, so. I don't know. I always feel better afterwards. So <laughs> yeah. anything sex sort of clears your mind, right? Like it makes you think straight. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd absolutely encourage it. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, right. So moving on, looking at, um, I did have a question regarding group training. So I'm, I'm assuming you, you've got some sort of instances where you've taught, you know, groups, uh, or, or at least you've got some ideas on this. Um, when you're in a group setting and you're, you're sort of going over various drills, how do you account for 
the different skill levels, strength levels, and fitness levels in a group setting. So just as from my perspective, um, some CrossFit boxes, I think, are notoriously bad at this because the entire box may be doing 60 kilo deadlifts for a minute. Even if they're RX, they, they may be, I don't know, 80 or, or whatever. Uh, for some people, that would be strength work. For, for guys like you and me, that would just be cardio. So how, how do you account for that in a group setting? Yeah, that, I mean, you, you already hit the nail on the head there by saying that. Like, I, I like to work um, by, if I'm in a group, I'll educate as, as, as much as I can so that they understand what we're trying to achieve with every single workout, not just, this is the workout, now go do it. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're trying to, you know, if, if we can educate we can also motivate better because they're understanding why they're doing it. Um, they're not just going, Oh, this is, this seems, this seems kind of pointless to me. Why am I doing yeah, 60 kilo deadlifts for a minute? What am I, what's the purpose of this? Hmm. Um, and so what I would do is I I'd try and get in RP. Like I'd say we're aiming for, you know, five reps. And really when you finish, you should have one rep left in the tank. I don't, I'm not a big fan of percentages because again, it depends on the day. So again, if you've had a real stressful day, you're, 70% is going to feel like 150% or if you've had a great day and you, I don't know, you've had about five cups of coffee before you've trained, 70% could feel like nothing and you could be doing that for a minute and be just fine. Um, so I try and educate them. And again, again, if, if people can cop out with that, they can say, Oh yeah, I, know, I only had one rep in the tank and I'm like, okay, this time, this time we're going to go for a max. And then they end up doing like seven more reps. Right. Hmm. And, and that's, and that's been shown in the science that that can happen quite a lot. But to me, I'd rather do that so that they have an idea of what they're doing and they're executing to the full, their best intensity. And, um, and then as far as if we've got different skill levels, we would make sure that, and, and, and I do this with every single exercise I do, there must be progressions and regressions. So it's not just a deadlift. If you can't deadlift well, then we're probably going to do a uh, Romanian deadlift or we're going to do some other type of hinge movement. Maybe you're, maybe you're still in at the only uh, hex bar that's in the gym. That could work. And if you're really advanced, then we can actually load it up and we can work like more advanced rep schemes or something like that. That helps as well. But for the most part, again, but also if we're looking at that part, that comes from education. And so the more we can educate our clients, and I think a lot of trainers are sort of scared of educating their clients because they think, oh no, if I educate them too much, then you know they don't need me anymore. And to me, that's great. Like if they don't need me anymore, I've, I've almost done my job. You know, I've still got people that I've had for, you know, well over five years and they're, they're just as smart as me now in the gym to, to an extent, but they, but they see the value in what I do. They see the value in um, the accountability and that sort of thing. And they don't want to think about it. So then that's why they still use me. Whereas then I've had others where I've coached them for maybe six months or whatever. They're like, okay, I think I've got this now and they move on. And that's also great because that because like, you don't want to be paying a personal trainer forever um you know if you're only using it as a tool to sort of for a specific goal i'm i'm very much along the same lines with with my own coaching um I, from day one i always wanted to give my clients the tools without sort of stringing them along i'm, I'm also of the opinion that those types of uh, coaches i don't really find them too uh favorable but the, I, I i quite like to give the, the client as much information as possible and that seems to be a nice model for them to stick with me i've had some clients now for two or three years um just because they, they feel as you say they like the accountability and they feel they're getting value for money through the education so i definitely prefer that model of working and i think that also helps when when we when we like plateau and stuff because that's inevitable right mm-hmm. Um, we're going to plateau, but if you understand why you're plateauing, or if you understand that this is all part of a bigger, you know, greater scheme, you're in a, you're in a much better stead. Whereas if you, if you don't educate them, we hit a plateau. They're like, okay, this doesn't work for me no more. I've got to try the next shiny object. Yeah. Yeah. I also think there's a, there's a larger p- uh, uh, part of it is uh, sort of their own level of accountability as well. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I don't give out meal plans. Uh, I actually had to turn a customer away. Uh, fairly recently just because he wanted a specific meal plan and I've gone back and forth over it in my head and I have tried to do it before and it's never really worked out because I feel they're not involved in the process I'd rather educate them and help them put together an eating schedule uh, rather than have this sort of give them a meal plan and say stick with it even even if that's what they're saying they want yeah I know what you're saying I mean and and I've had it with people where they've been desperate for it like look yeah I have no idea what I'm supposed to be eating I'm like Okay, but I'm not going to build this. Tell me, you know, list me your five favorite proteins. List me some um, 
some favorite carbs. Just me what veg you, you vegetables you like. And then we can sort of go from there, but it's, yes. it's definitely a back and forth. Absolutely. I have a sort of a series of emails that I they use to create a sort of a plan for those who are completely in the dark, and that works really well. But um, I, I, yeah, I definitely don't give up, give up meal plans. So moving on to a different question, our third question. Um, have you found any differences in training between the genders? Um, yeah, I, I, I actually have. So I think... Uh, there's 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 quite a few differences in, in my opinion and, it, and it's all well physiologically we've the science shows that women can handle quite a lot more volume yes um, and so and uh this this actually coincides with the fact that they also like to keep moving they like to keep going um just either from the, the you know the history of doing like other classes and stuff whereas guys are just like yeah i'm a man i need to lift heavy weights <laughs> um but so, so therefore it actually works out really well that these sessions can, you know, you can take an hour session and you can fit in a lot more volume with a woman because she only needs to rest, you know, for like a minute max. Whereas a guy can, can sit list, can sit and, uh, and wait resting for about three minutes or, you know, or up to five minutes if you, if you give them time yeah. and you would, st- then that volume sort of equates itself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. And then personality wise, I feel like, um, w- women and men and this is uh, you know, it's 2019 i don't know how how, uh, how offended people are going to get by this statement but like men are complete on one side of the spectrum where they will always go heavier because they're a man and that and they see that as part of their identity that they should be lifting heavy weights and then they will use the shittiest form and they will you know push it out and they'll say and then and then they'll you know they'll do a, a set of five squats and they you know their eyeballs are almost falling out of their face and I'm like, okay, so what would you say? How many reps would you think you could do more if, if, if you really had to? And I said, oh, I probably could do another three more. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, whereas women, are, uh, you know, and this is, and obviously we're massively generalizing, but women come from the complete opposite side where they are so petrified of lifting heavy or they're, or they're petrified of hurting themselves that they, you know, again, take that same person, they've done a set of five and they racked it and they, they haven't even broken a sweat and they're like, oh yeah, I think, I think that was my max. And I'm like, okay, let's sit you under that. Let's see how many more that you can do. And I've actually had this before where I've said, okay, we're going to work up to our five rep max and we did three sets of five, which means that they've already not worked up to their max because they've done three sets on that way. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a class of all women. And I'm like, right, on this last set, we're going to see how many, how many extra reps we can get. We can go for as many as we can. One woman got 23. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it just goes to show, you know, um, from a mentality standpoint, women have a lot more in the tank than they think they do, and men probably don't have as much as what they think. Yeah, I, it's, you know, obviously we are massively generalizing, but I, in my experience, that's very, very, very true. Um, with, with a lot of my female clients, a few of them will listen to this as well. Um, they'll, yeah, they can generally handle a ton more work and they, they generally have to be pushed a little bit harder in terms of going up in weight week by week. Um, what I've, I, mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but certainly what I found is, um, transformation sort of you know uh, losing weight and all that kind of stuff i tend to find that guys can take having their calories dropped quite low fairly well but they don't take the amount of volume of work as well whereas with women it seems to be the opposite and again generalizing but they can do a hell of a lot of work but slashing their calories super low it's generally not that productive i think that could be because um you know, obviously with, with, um, with men, you know, for, if you're starting at 2,500 calories, there's a lot more wiggle room to slash those down. Whereas if a woman's starting already on, you know, 1200, that's, you know, you're already doing that by half. And then actually, I also think an issue that I have with, um, up in the weights week to week with women is, um, for the most part, they're not going to be as strong, right? So we're dealing, you know, so say if we've gone from a, uh, set of, whatever it is, you know, set of dumbbell bench press using 10 kilos, then to then go to 12 kilos, like you wouldn't, like you wouldn't do that with a bench press with, with a guy who's got a hundred and go, okay, next week we're going to do 120 kilos. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't make that percentage increase. Yeah. And I find in like pretty much every single commercial gym, you are forced to make really huge jumps. The, the lighter the weights are and that, that tends to be sometimes problematic. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, I tend to use different variations of exercises. So I actually did that this week with one of my clients, uh, Bex. Uh, rather than going up in dumbbells, we actually just raised the incline slightly on her dumbbell bench press. Um, Genius. And then, you know, it's just, just small things like that works, works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Uh, right, so going back to sort of training athletes again, this is a question that I'm particularly interested in just because it seems to have raised its head in the bodybuilding community recently, and I, I quite like the fact it has. There's been more of an emphasis on cardio for health uh, rather than for fat loss. Now, how would you go about improving cardiovascular ability of your, uh, of your athletes, the ability to not get gassed, things like that? Yeah, that's a that's spot on, and it, this is one of the things that I always try and promote. It's one of the biggest things because I, I have when people say, "Hey, what's the one thing that most people don't do for like rugby and football is the same thing as well?" Um, is that these sports are nearly all aerobic. You're not you're not running around for forty minutes at the same pace. You're not run, you're not even running around for a minute at the same pace. You're running for bursts of maybe ten to. I mean, tens in it, like tens on the high end, but you know, five to twenty seconds at a time, you're performing at high intensity. You're then spending the rest of the time just recovering. So the stronger that your aerobic system is, the better you're going to recover, the better you're going to perform at your sport. So, you, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it, it, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Joel Jameson. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He places a massive emphasis on um, having sort of your your underlying cardiovascular ability your your what we would might what i would might call um sort of steady state cardio yep that kind of he places a huge emphasis on yeah, that q work uh, it's it's working yep. on the so you're working on the actual heart and the more efficient the heart can be at pumping blood around the body the better you're going to going to be able to perform in it that doesn't only stop you or that doesn't own you because the, the goal isn't to take a five second sprint and extend that out to a 10 second sprint the goal is to do as many of those five-second sprints as possible or to be ready to do as many of those five-second sprints as possible. Yeah, and what's, so, going to, and what's going to help your recovery in between is going to be the, your heart and your, your cardiovascular system. Absolutely. And so um, I think this is – I think you said so, there was one of the questions that you had about gaining muscle as well is actually one of the most important things I do with my rugby guys is if we're, if we're bulking or, or, or we're in a massing phase, we're absolutely doing cardio. Because if you're taking an athlete that, you know, if you're taking an athlete and you're taking them through a game of rugby and then all of a sudden they've added, you know, say they've added five kilos. And even if that five kilos is of muscle, you've added five kilos, try running around with an extra five kilos of, on a weighted vest. It's going to make it much harder. So you should be able to learn to adapt to use that or to adapt to carry that extra weight and be fine. And so that your aerobic system can support that extra weight. So it's, it's really important. And the way I do that is, again, it's pretty much any method. Because we're working the heart, the, the, you know, it doesn't really matter too much if you're running or if you're cycling or if you're doing any of that. Um, I actually prefer, funny enough, the elliptical mm. because it's really easy to get the heart rate to 120. You can zone out, you can watch TV, or you can do um, – you know, I've, I've watched lecture slides whilst doing it. Um, you can watch Game of Thrones. You can, do, you can just take your mind off of it. It's not that hard because you've got the whole body moving – and you can really work the heart rate for about, and you can work for anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. And there's no real fatigue risk with that because you're not impacting any joints. You're not doing anything. As long as you're eating enough food, you're pretty much going to be fine. Whereas if you're going out and, and you're, you're doing sprints, um, not only are you working, you know, you, you, you're kind of working the heart rate, but you're not really doing exactly what you, you, you want to be doing to build out the aerobic system, but you're also massively increasing the amount of fatigue that you're going to cause the body, which again, as we've discussed previous, is just it, it, it's fatigue is fatigue is fatigue. So that's going to interfere with your body trying to build muscle or with your body trying to recover for the next game or, or whatever it is. And that's not a good thing. So if we can do aerobic stuff without having to um, increase fatigue, then I'm always going to take that option. Yeah, I think I think that's that's great. Um, I I love the idea of sort of working with energy systems um, and making sure you're you're training the correct system for your goal. Like I said, if your yeah. if your abilities to if you if you want to work the heart and you're generally going to want to look for those kind of things that we've discussed in this, the specific types of training. Do you do you use heart rate very much as your sort of target heart rate zones? You you sort of mentioned one twenty there. Do you have do you use that with your training just to, just to sort of give the athlete an idea of how hard they should be working? That, that's exactly what it is. It's just to give them, them an idea. I, I'll just say seven out of 10. So like if you can just yeah. hold a conversation, it's enough. Um, you know, 
or if you're using an Apple watch, you know, those heart rates aren't entirely accurate, but, um, yeah, that, for the most part, I'll just say either an RPE seven out of 10 or, you know, hard enough that you could just about hold a conversation or again, a heart rate of 120 or so usually is a, is a good base for that. Um, where I will get kind of hot on heart rate is when we're doing real high intensity um, and we're trying to push that boundary because then we're really trying to be specific. But um, that, that only really applies to the different sort of rugby stuff that I'm trying to get to. Mm, yeah. I, I use a similar system if I'm doing conditioning. So I'll have three categories. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's just, just for ease of communication, really, sort of all out, medium and light. Uh, and I will roughly give them a, a target heart rate. But in general, just for ease of communication, um, it, it sort of helps just to, to let the athlete know exactly what to do so they can just go. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, um, yeah, as we sort of discussed there with the genders as well, people, you know, you can say to someone, Hey, make sure that you're doing, you know, seven out of 10 and, and you know, they're, they're walking really slowly. You're like, listen, that's not a seven out of 10. Who, the fuck, who are you kidding? And, and vice versa. You've got those people that, you know, and this is more what I deal with um, in terms of rugby guys that are, you know, these are people that are applying for online coaching. They're, they're mad keen. They want to work hard their biggest fear is not working hard enough. And so then I'll use that heart rate to hate to say, Hey, listen, this isn't, this isn't, we're not going so hard here. We're not. And, and if anything, that's my problem is trying to make sure that they you only, they stay within that range because they think, Oh, harder is better. Harder is better. And it's like, no, that's then taking us out of what we're trying to work on. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, you know, I, I was just about to say that actually R rather than harder is better we need to be looking at, well, what are we trying to achieve? What, what's the purpose of the session? Yeah, goes back to education. Yeah, brilliant. Um, all right, moving, moving on to so the next question. We've got a few sort of general <clears throat> uh, questions here. So uh, just going on to, in, you know, in your TJ Strength hat, um, for Gen Pop, do you have a preferred macro range for, uh, for either fat loss or muscle gain? No, and this is a big... Um, I'll say pet peeve of mine, <laughs> but it, it is something that... And and I did have, I probably would have always said, you know, I'd have had people calculate their fats, calculate their protein, and then um, and then the rest would be carbs, and then or yada, yada, yada. I'd have all these different ranges. But I think I've said it already before, it's protein and calories. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the, the fats and the carbs sort of take care of themselves because lifestyle is huge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, some, if, if someone really enjoys sushi for example and they they love their rice they love eat, like eating all that sort of stuff then what why am i going to say at, you're not going to have that because we've specifically got to have 100 grams of fat arbitrarily and 200 grams only of carbs like who who does that help yeah. nobody um at the end of the day it all gets processed by it all gets processed and ends up being the same thing so why not do the the diet that people are going to enjoy the most so they can stick to it the longest in the long term um yeah. Having said that, I, I, I've seen Steve Hall's stuff, and well, it's not, it's not just Steve Hall's, it's um, the Evil Genius Project Chavez. Yeah, yeah the, the real the high carb stuff. High carb, low fat, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I get the principle, but I think that you have to be incredibly dedicated to, to stick to that to the point where, again, it's an inconvenience. And at what point does that inconvenience stress you out so that you're not actually making the progress that you could be? If I might go on to a bit of a rant myself <laughs> about this, go for it, mate. Um, I, Your podcast. A lot, a lot of, a lot of those recommendations I tend to find make a lot more sense when drugs are in the equation. Yeah. Um, so, I have a there's a there's a coach around around this area as well who puts out quite a lot of content looking at high carb days, low carb days for people who are bulking. And I know that this coach was uh, was trained by Malas Sosev, who obviously is very famous for his insulin use and blah blah. Uh, but he's he's putting he's putting all these uh, weird wacky sort of dietary schemes onto guys who are natural and weigh like 170 pounds, and so it doesn't actually make any sense. I mean, I even hear people are doing sort of fasted cardio still, not for the purpose of like they they like doing it, but for, you know as it's going to actually do better. But again, it's a, it's a drug thing because there are certain chemicals you can take which promote increased fat loss in a fasted state. But uh, you know th there has to be that caveat there. So I and I also tend to think the high carb low fat it works with certain androgens better 
this is this is just theories from from from, from things that I've read and talked discussions I've had with people. So mm-hmm. I I think coming from Broderick Chavez, it makes sense because that's generally who he deals with. But I right. think what happens quite a lot in uh, on instagram and social media is a lot of these ideas get bandied around into the evidence-based crowd who generally are natty and and well not not that advanced and i just don't think it's appropriate at that time um so i i think that's where a lot of this comes from and it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because I, I happen to know both sides quite well um and i i can identify things which are going to work when chemical assistance is involved uh and and things which which make no sense for a natural so i think this is one of those cases I absolutely agree, mate. It's, it's again, it's that, it's that thing of like, what, what's the most important thing that you work that you can, can you do with your diet? It's stay consistent in the long term. Like that's where people go wrong. It's not because they've had 110 grams of fat instead of 80 grams of fat. Like no one, no one's gained extra fat instead of muscle because of that. That's not a thing. It's, we've got to look at this, you know, and especially if we're taking natural trainers that are, are potentially gaining what, you know, at a, a natural advanced trainers at least mm. um a push what two kilos of muscle a year a year yeah. lean muscle like mm-hmm. something like that and you're doing really you're doing really fucking well if you're you do, doing, yeah. if you're getting that mm. why, why are we why are we why are we trying to wring this um sponge out rather than just leave it leave it there and over time it's just gonna eventually go to exactly where we want it to be anyway yeah. and we can actually enjoy life yeah, 100%. And what I say to my clients who are doing competitions or photo shoots is for the last week or two, we're probably going to play with macros quite a lot. Uh, oh, certainly, yeah. Certainly cool. the last week. But that's to achieve a specific look. It's not for the purpose of fat loss. Um, so for the rest of the time, I, I'm, I fall in line with what you're saying. It's just a case of what can we do to increase adherence. It's uh, funny that you say that. Even then, like, I think people will tend to overlook that because, you know, I've done it where when I was like 20 or something, or 21, you know, I've gone on a lad's holiday and I would spend the week trying to manipulate my, uh, <laughs> my you know, my, my carbs and stuff and, and do all that sort of stuff and manipulate my water levels and I'd have a pizza in the morning before going on the lads holiday or whatever, like it was a fucking photo shoot. But the other day I was sitting there at 18, 20% body fat and it didn't make, it didn't make any difference whatsoever. Yeah. And again, all of this is just like, I get it because bodybuilders are, you know, they're the peak of essentially what people are trying to achieve. You know, they have high amounts of muscle mass, they have low amounts of fat. But at the end of the day, we're, we're not trying to, you know, at the end of the day, it's, we're trying to live life. We're trying to not be so obsessed with all this. And all, all, this, all this stuff is doing is creating extra noise, creating extra distractions and taking us away from the, the things that do matter. And what are actually, at the base of it, really, really simple and really easy to implement and actually succeed with. Yeah, 100%. Um, so moving on. What- in your opinion, what, and I guess this is somewhat related, what is the biggest stumbling block for the sort of the gen pop client that you work with looking, looking to lose fat and get into shape? So prior to coming to you, what have you seen there to be their, their biggest stumbling blocks? Uh, 100%. They don't, well, first off, they don't have a, a goal. They don't have a specific uh, set of goalposts that they're not aiming towards, which means that you can go for, you know, well, you can, you can skip a training session here. You can then skip that, which ends up turning into a week's skip of training sessions, which means I'll start next week, which means then I'll start next week. And then, which means next thing you know, it's been four years and you've actually, rather than started your gym routine, you spent four years doing nothing and gained 20 pounds of fat. Yeah. So now you now, now you've actually got to lose that 20 pounds of fat that you've gained because you haven't set any goals to begin with. You've never had anywhere to go. You, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. So first thing most people, uh, lack is an actual clear outset goal and, and a time frame to achieve that goal once you've got that then it becomes a lot harder to skip a week or it becomes a lot harder if uh, or it, yeah it becomes a lot harder that if you skip the week to then skip the next week because you know you're like crap i'm now a week behind i've got to either make up for lost time or i've at least got to get back on track because i've got to aim towards this goal you, you've got a reference point for where you're trying to be mm-hmm. and you're not going to just be stuck in no man's land for months on end mm-hmm. um, and then from there, it's probably, it's, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? It's, it's that shiny object syndrome. It's, it's not taking a look at the bigger picture. It's not um, understanding, again, because of those goalposts, understanding that one pound a week is phenomenal progress because that's actually where we're supposed to be. The amount of people that I have that, you know, the first, if I'm taking general pop people and they've lost a pound in, you know, in a week and then they, they report back to me and they're disappointed. I'm like, why on earth are you disappointed? Like that is success. Uh, even not losing weight 
is a success because most people end up gaining weight month to month to month. Mm -hmm. And it's just a little increase that ends up with people being out of shape. And so it's that, it's that accountability week to week. And it's those that long-term thinking and, and understand that even if you do mess up, it's not the end of the world. Let's not sabotage ourselves. Let's just get right back on the horse and take that bigger picture thinking and head towards our goals. I, I love that answer. And I, I, I totally agree. And one of the things I've tried to emphasize a lot in my Instagram stories recently is the idea of having a plan. Uh, because while I see a lot of guys quite dedicated, having a week to week plan rather than, as you say, looking for that next shiny thing, they're like, okay, we'll do this this week, X, Y, Z next week, a different thing the other week, rather than having an actual plan, which gives them a long-term progression. I think, I think a lot of guys like that, they might have all the necessary enthusiasm. They might go in the gym four or five times a week, but having a, a lack of a plan, I think is, is a big gap in, in what a lot of these guys have. Yeah. And again, because, and if you don't have that plan, then you could be disappointed with a pound of fat loss because you're like, oh, I've only lost a pound. Maybe these other 7 million things that are on the internet that I can try <laughs> are going to have me lose three pounds this week. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, that probably goes back to the education point, whereas if they understand that it's, it's not worth it, you know, there isn't, you know, if anything that does lose you that much weight, it's not going to be sustainable. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's just... I don't know. People, we, we just seem to be so short-sighted with everything. We seem to reward or we seem, you know, and that's part of, I think that's part of like modern day culture, really. Yeah. You know, everything's, everything's for the short term. And, and rather than actually having to be happy with the process, be happy with like, you know, just be satisfied with what you're currently doing is yeah. because we've got so many different things on social media telling you that you're, you're terrible, that you, you get tempted to change it all the time. And so being content with what you're doing, as long as you're making progress is like, it's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I actually had this conversation with a client just recently, Ben, who's probably going to be listening to this, but uh, he was, he was just talking about how he needs to sort of be a little bit more patient with his progress, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, hold on, Ben, you know, uh, when you first came to me, you, you know, we, we dropped 60 pounds of fat off you uh, and then you've gained 20 pounds since, you know, and you've been, you've been lean as well. And we, and he put together a comparison photo of me, uh, uh, for me, uh, and sent it through on WhatsApp just today. And he was shocked himself to see the difference. And I was like, well, that's what I've been saying all along, you know, over time, your progress has been fantastic, but it's, it's the sort of week to week. You know, he just had to sort of remind yeah. himself that, yeah, week to week is not going to be hugely visible, but look at what we've done over the last two years. And, uh, and that, that, that's, I think that's important to remember. Yeah, it also comes from that comparison, right? And, and, and again, that's something that um, I think people are afraid of and other coaches and other whatever uh, people are afraid of telling people is that sometimes people say, you know, people say, you know, I'll have people send me a, a picture through as like, this is the look I kind of want to achieve. Mm. And I'll be quite frank. I'll be like, look, you might be able to achieve that, but this person has phenomenal genetics, has been doing this for 20 years, you know, because they started when they was 12. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be realistic here. And, and you could do that, and, but the dedication required to get even close is huge. And then some people then realize that, they take a step back and they're like, okay, I don't really want to achieve that because I'm not willing to be as dedicated to do that. And that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Because then, you know, it, you know, Trust me, I've, I've got to 4% or 5% body fat. I wasn't happier, you know. <laughs> it was cool, but I, I definitely wasn't happier. It's, it's a miserable experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite the opposite, in fact. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I look back uh, and I'm like, geez, I don't know if I'd ever want to do that again. Yeah, I, yeah I'm not competing this year probably for that reason. So um, yeah. I'll, I'll save it for next year. Well, um, I'm, I'm like, I, that's the point. I, I look back on my photo shoot and I'm like, do I ever really want to do that? Like I enjoyed the challenge for sure. Like I really did. But like to say it brought me any happiness whatsoever would be an outright lie. Like it wasn't, it was, I, I enjoyed, I just did it because it was a challenge because I've been, because I had to retire from rugby and I, I figured I'd, I had something to do. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was very similar. Um, it's just, I'm aware I'm taking up quite a lot of your time. So I'm going to finish off with one, one last question. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll call it there. Um, we've talked quite a lot about fat loss and, and, and training for athletes. I just wanted to switch the gears a little bit into muscle gaining. Yes. So you've got a client who's um, somewhat skinny. Under, let's say he's under-muscled. Um, how would you structure a muscle gaining off-season for them? Um, so to me, the, fir the, fir the first and most important thing is how many times they can make it into the gym. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we tend to outright just prescribe like different days and or different uh, rep scheme, not rep schemes, uh, different body part splits or training splits, just arbitrarily. Whereas the most important thing to me is like how many days can you make it in the gym, and then also like what else are you trying to do with your life? Because if you're if you're trying to do I don't know if if you're if you live quite an active life, like say you're you work in labor or whatever it is, then doing a massive leg day once a week is going to screw you because you're just not going to be able to perform at your job week to week. So I would I would then take that person and really this is this is again this is my typical cop out answer that I seem to be giving you all the time, mate. But it's it really does depend on the person. But again, we look at the bigger picture and we, all we look at is. Um, increase in volume week to week to week as best as best we can um, until we hit a stumbling block. I'm, I I have been a fan in the past of doing you know six weeks and then deloading or eight weeks and then deloading, but now I think um, life usually gets in the way. People have vacations, people you know, do other things where they end up not being in the gym or whatever happens, and sort of that will be our deload. But I don't think it's overly necessary. I think now that it's what's more important is just, again, week to week increases in volume um, and eating enough food. And I'm okay with people gaining um, a, de- a little bit of fat with that mm-hmm. um, as, long, as long as they, they, you know, as long as it's for a specific purpose. And again, it's a part of that bigger picture. So we set a goalpost. It's usually, I'll usually go around, uh, depending on how advanced they are, we're going from one to five pounds a month or so of gaining. And then we can clean that up from there. But it's week to week, increasing in volume. Personally, I'm a fan of um, always doing full body workouts. I'm a fan of, um, yeah, full body workouts as, much, as, often, as often as we can. Um, and that way we're spreading the volume over the week. And, and I think that, to me, to me, it's more fun. It's more convenient. I get that some people like to get a pump. So again, for that person, I might change that up because if you're doing full body workouts, you're not going to get a sick chest pump that you would do if you did 20 sets in one session. But I just think it's a bit of a better way to structure it. That way, if you skip a gym session also, it's not the end of the world because you can you can then just make it up the next day and just keep rolling that way. Um, but I'm a big fan of doing full body workouts um, one set or not one set but one exercise per body part and just rolling it out different body parts can then be prioritized by just adding more exercises in and taking away from other places um and it's just really just as simple as that and again the main thing is as we said before gaining muscle is like a real long-term process so the main thing is really is that they'd be adherent like there's no point in them doing the sickest uh five-week muscle gaining program if they're then going to be so burnt out of the gym like because i've been there i like i've i've been i've been there where i've been like you know i've I've been dedicated i've been doing six days a week and they end up being two hour sessions and um you know i've I've stuck to my macros perfectly and then i've just got bored and really what's most important is that you you keep increasing that volume and that you keep you know you keep you stay in the gym week to week to week muscle gaining is a year-round process um, as opposed to something that you can just do, do do in four weeks and then say, okay, I'm done gaining muscle now and then just move on. That's not how it works. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. And uh, I love the emphasis on full body workouts. That was actually my first introduction to bodybuilding, uh, roughly 2008, I think it was. Uh, I'd been powerlifting for almost a decade at that point. But uh, I was influenced heavily by the work of Casey Butt. I don't know if you're aware of it. Or yep. Yep. Yeah, he does some fantastic work on bodybuilding and full body workouts and it worked out great. Actually, he was use a wealth of knowledge yeah i'm 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 um i I, i'm a lot more influenced by um menno henselman's now Mm. and his bayesian bodybuilding method i I like that i like the idea of that um i like the idea that he he literally examines everything is like well why are we doing this i'll just cause and then but then sometimes even then when there's no site not real science behind he's like well this thing still seems to make sense and these guys that are jacked are doing it so we can do that and um like for me right now, I do I do myself five full body workouts and I, I can get through it really quick. It's super convenient. It takes me about 30 to 45 minutes because I'm super low volume because I've just started training for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is incredibly fucking cliche at the minute, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, Mike, Mike, just tell them. <laughs> yeah, everyone seems to be doing it. it, it but 
I love it, but it, you know, it, it gets me sore. Um, and so I have to sort of, I use, but I don't want to get away from gaining muscle. So I, I, I structure my own training that way. It's super convenient. I don't have to, you know, be overly dedicated. And then at times I'll also then go through a higher volume thing where I'll do only three times in the gym, but I'll be in there and I'll be more dedicated and I'll enjoy that. Whereas at the minute I'm just doing it like I'm brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that when I was doing 40 workouts, I, I really enjoy the simplicity and it, there was a completeness uh, when you have a workout, there's no specific area that was killing, but you just felt you had a good, a good whole body workout. I also felt it had a uh, extra, a bigger calorie burn as well, but that was uh, just me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I can agree with that. Um, well, it's probably also the jujitsu, but I'm, I'm really like enjoying the fact that, because I, I, I always grew up as a fat kid. Now I'm actually <laughs> struggling to put on weight or hold on to my weight. So this is fun because I get to eat more food and enjoy it. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the same, actually. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely same. Well, Tom, it's been awesome talking to you. Thanks very much. Um, and well, thank you, mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's been great having you on. You're one of the guests that have actually made me feel comfortable being being a host. So thanks a lot for that. That was great. Um, awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all your contact details. Um, wherever i post this uh but could you like to just give us just a quick rundown of where we can find you um yeah so at tj.strength is where i'm most active i'd say on my instagram um if you like cool looking dogs then i probably have the coolest looking dog she's (laughs) she's sat right by me now um she takes up most a lot of my stories i try to be proactive there and and like um i i I've been getting quite a lot of feedback recently just saying that they, they love what I've been doing because I just, I don't really mince my words. I'm not like, I, cause I think a lot of what you see on Instagram now is either stuff that just gets likes, like, you know, that I've seen like people put deadlift tutorials up and I'm like, who's going on Instagram to learn how to deadlift? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't really make sense, but people are going to like it cause it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing of like, you know, like the um, food comparison things and that sort of thing. And I get that they're striking and obvious, but you're, you're not really helping anyone. That It's just a striking thing to get a few likes. Whereas I uh, sort of pride myself on my little small community of people that like, I'm really, like really try and put value out in my posts. So there's that. And then, and then I guess they can follow the links that are in my profile there. Cause there's a bunch of free stuff. I have a free um, physique nutrition crash course video series, which if you're, down with what I've been talking about with nutrition there, you can, you can learn a little bit more there with that. Or if you're a rugby player, I've got free conditioning sessions that they can pick up as well. That, that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Tom. Um, yeah, brilliant. And uh, we'll, we'll call it there. And I thank you once again for coming on. And uh, yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.